Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? I love y'all so very much. I hope everyone out there just having a wonderful holiday season. This is the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. I am Sean Oshadi, and we got the whole gang here. He is him, the Iron Claw. Behind the MMA Fighting Rankings, the Prince of Positivity. He is the King of the North. He is the man of so many names. Alexander K. Lee, also joined by our good friends, old pals, Jed Mashu, Damon Martin. We are winding down from one hell of a week to close 2023 real roller coaster how we doing fellas how's the holiday cheer over there one hell of a year really you know and, and doing great um we're done we did it we boys. did it another <laughs> year it. we made it this year flew by like i, I was thinking about fights that happened in january and i was like my god this year went fast yeah a little, even a little speedy even leon what leon his first, the first fight of the year was in February, right? That was the Usman rematch. He was March. 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 March it, still, yeah. it doesn't feel that long ago in my mind. It really doesn't feel that long ago. I know, I know there was a gap between uh, obviously that fight and our most recent pay-per-view, but that feels not long ago. Nothing feels long ago this year. Well, you, do you know why? It's because one, we're all old. Yes. Fair. And two, uh, this is just a deeply, deeply funny year. And when you're laughing, time flies. And uh, we were doing a lot of laughing this year. <laughs> we're having a great time. We're all having a great time. Well, gentlemen, it's fun having you here. I'm looking forward to this. One question I have for you, just because it's starting to weigh on my mind and my shoulders as well. I'm just starting to get a little stressed out about it. I haven't bought any gifts for anybody right now. Uh, I am at zero for everything. I need to buy all of my holiday gifts for my entire family and my wife and my son and everything. I got nothing going. Are you guys, where are you at when it comes to the gift giving? Are you a procrastinator like me? Are you, are you trying to hit the early bird specials? Are you knocking this out by like Black Friday? Like where, where you guys fall on this spectrum? Because I can, every year I do this to myself and I hate it (laughs) because it's just miserable for the next week. I'm doing okay. Fortunately, I have a partner. She's very good on at uh, staying on top of these things. So we do go out. Every, if we ever go out, there's always like, a, oh, do you want to stop off at this mall and get knock off some shopping? So there's some some major ones done. You know, taking care of my parents, things like that. Uh, my family, thank goodness, we do gift exchange. I don't know if you guys have that benefit where you just do the one gift, like a Secret Santa or White Elephant every year, something a little different. But generally, it's the one gift, and everyone just gets one, and you laugh and have a good time. So. Uh, in that sense, we're blessed. I don't have to get one for like every every like beloved uncle, aunt, cousins. Uh, it's just one big family gift. Even and then uh, uh, friends, we do a gift exchange too. So I'm part of two different gift exchanges. Save so much time and all the big ones. I'm mostly ahead, uh, but definitely some uh, some gifts that still need to be done. And it's really 
by the time this podcast airs, we're less than a week away. I mean, I'm I'm just learning for the first time that Canada has Christmas. I just assumed. <laughs> I don't know. You you it's, do Thanksgiving in like June or something yep. insane. So I yep. just assumed you don't have Christmas. So that's great. Um, I'm you know glad glad to hear it for you, AK. We are we have our version of Christmas. Yes, uh, it's you know it's it's a lot more maple syrup, uh, which you get directly which you get directly from the Christmas trees. It's, it's pretty sounds wild. Like a yeah, it's Christmas pretty wild. Syrup. Milk in the it's trees, magi- milk in the Christmas it's, trees. For yeah, the syrup. it's magical almost. It's magical almost. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that sounds. Let's do Canada Christmas next year. That sounds great. <laughs> You're all invited. Uh, I'll take Christmas. you up on that. Uh, I've stopped doing Christmas shopping like the last couple of years. It's oh, been- you're just on strike. Not, it's not, you know, strike feels like you have a purpose, like you're trying to achieve something, but like we were, we were really desperately fighting the good fight and then COVID happened. And then the first year of COVID, I didn't get to do Christmas because I got COVID the day before Christmas Eve. So like the 23rd, I just like, I have COVID, I can't see my family. And that's kind of the last year we, like, we just hang out now. It's just like Thanksgiving only in December, sort of like we do a big meal this year. We're taking a family trip up to go uh, skiing, but because Jeez. we're traveling, we're not bringing gifts. I was like, is everyone okay? Cause I don't want to bring gifts to Vermont. So <laughs> and that you'll then have to bring back. So we just have kind of stopped and it, it's just about the family season now, you know, you're giving the gift of your time, which is really the, the most, most valuable, valuable gift, of all. gift we have. Oh. It's true. Plus, the older you get, I, well, I don't have a kid. You know, like I was gonna that. say tough I, scenes I, I, for the kids well, in the Mashu family because you know, they're, they're know, not it, killing it. So my cousin have kids, and we'll like we all get them kids gifts. You know, so that's like very much a thing. But and you know, you've got a son. Totally makes sense. That's still if I ever procreate, I would I'll get back into it. But uh, it's weird. I'm a grown ass man. I can just buy the things I need, and I do buy the things I want. So. I don't need you to get me anything. I'm good without that. And we can just hang out together and, and share time and love together. And that's okay. Money bags over there. No, I just, I'm a simple man. The only <laughs> things I want in life are for fighters to stay in their own damn divisions and defend their titles and for bad things to happen to Colby Covington. And look, things are coming up. Mishu right now. <laughs> Merry Christmas to Jed. Uh, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say, I'll, I'll just say, uh, my Christmas was done a month early, mostly because the main person I have to buy for is my girlfriend. And we had a big plan to do a big Christmas this year. And then she decided her one present she really wanted was a new Kindle and it went on sale for black Friday. And I was like, well, I can buy it for you now and just give it to you. And she's like, I'll take it now. And I was like, all right. And then I went and she got me something. And so now we have no plans for Christmas. We already bought everything we wanted. So that was it. That was, you know, back in the day when I was doing the gift giving thing, that was always the funniest part of it to me. It's like, Hey, I need this thing like now, but it's December. So I can't really buy it. So can you get it to me? And I'll just wait for three weeks until you give it to me. Or you could just do that and be like, hey, you want this Kindle now or do you want to wait for three weeks to use this thing that you would enjoy having at this very moment? It's just timing's tough the older you get, man. The anticipation anticipation makes it stronger, you know? It makes it sweeter. That's the thing. We did Christmas so big when I was a kid and it's my favorite holiday. I still love it, but it's not... I don't wake up to boxes of Legos anymore. (laughs) If I did, I'd probably still be super pumped. But like, you know, that's just not... That's not how it goes once you're past 12 (laughs) 
Oh. Yeah, the presents, presents under the trees and all that. Like, you know, we're going to make dinner. And actually what I was more concerned about was making sure I had no presents for my dogs. That's where I'm at in life right now is making sure like I'm getting my oh, dogs yeah. a special oh. Christmas dinner. You got that I'm picking up on Saturday. Like that's that's my most special part of Christmas. That's that's What's a great special call. Christmas dinner for the dog. Oh, we have on. a yeah. We have a place here, and I live in Ohio. We have a place here that actually is like a dog, like they make oh, dog yeah. food specifically, I've, and we, we've got them around. Yeah, and they they make like Thanksgiving dinners, they make Christmas dinners, and you special you pre order them and then pick them up like sometime before Christmas. So Saturday, I'm going down and picking up two special dinners for my two Boston Terriers. So that's like my big Christmas festivities is picking up dinner for my dogs you love this yeah. on the one hand i love that on the other hand do you think your dogs might just like bacon and eggs that you could make them yourself better <laughs> no, no no don't push back on this that's that's a wonderful thing you're doing david that's tremendous no, that's 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 where I, I actually, small businesses and i went out of i went out of my way to buy extra special toys for them like the dogs have a good christmas and they have no idea it's actually christmas but it's special for us to give our dogs a, a good christmas I will say that is probably my most fun aspect of Christmas the last like seven years of my life. Now my son's maybe getting a little old enough to like where he's going to be able to open gifts this year. So that'll be probably entertaining. But like past few years, my dog who I love so very much, Evie, older dog, she opens gifts. She will go through the bags. She'll like rip them apart. It's the, it's the best. It's the best thing I've ever taught her. She knows all sorts of tricks and, and commands, but opening the gifts is the best. One, that's adorable. Spell your dog's name. Uh, so it's Evie like the Pokemon, but it's Evie. Like the Pokemon? Yeah. Okay. It was Evie. All right. We switched it up a little bit. Uh, okay. Anyway, fights. Uh, fellas, that was a pretty fucking weird week. <laughs> that was a pretty, pretty, pretty weird and absurd week. Uh, it felt like every day last week there was something that sort of took over the MMA world for like 12 hours. Ian Gary, starting the week. Remember him? Yeah, remember him, right? (laughs) I I have not heard his name mentioned in the past 48 hours. Giant winner over the last couple days, Ian Gary. Yes. Completely (laughs) fallen out of this whole news cycle. Thursday, uh, the comments from Colby, the presser, the man out there dressed like George Washington, just saying terrible shit. Uh, And then Friday, Sean Strickland and DDP kind of replicated the entire same thing uh, with their own spin on it. And then Saturday, of course, everything UFC 296 and everything between Strickland and DDP again, volume two. So I go to you, AK. What's the biggest story from the weekend? What's the biggest takeaway? What's the biggest thing that moving forward we're going to be talking about? I mean, moving forward, I think it's got to be the DDP Strickland thing. Maybe I'm biased. I will be at uh, UFC 297, UFC's uh, first trip to my hood uh, of Toronto for the for, since before COVID. So like five, four years, five, four years, going on five years now. Uh, so yeah, I was kind of excited for that fight. People know I'm personally not a Sean Strickland fan. I'm not. I don't like the man. I don't like the things he has to say. Uh, but I thought the fight was good. I think I saw some people kind of rolling their eyes at the double bill of like Strickland DDP and uh, Mary Bueno Silva and Raquel Pennington. I'm interested in both fights. I'm Again, so glad you're getting event. women's bantamweight. I'm so so glad you're I getting women's it. bantamweight. You do. I, if any if anyone in the MMA media will appreciate it and not be all snarky and hipster about it, it's this guy. You've so been I'm carrying water for that, that division. 
<laughs> You're really the have. only person on our rankings that doesn't have something about burning it down on, uh, on, yes. on people, it. If you will see our it's not it's not a division, AK. There's no title on the it's line. Division. That t- division does not exist. Stop it pretending. Does. They promote it. The UFC promotes it, and thus it exists. Uh, we just so, had a fight of the year candidate. Do, out they, of it. do they do they really promote it though? I mean, do they the fights like the, <laughs> the title's been vacant since June, and they still have crowned a new champion? Do they really uh, promote it? They haven't crowned a champion. I think we all know Bueno Silva is the uncrowned champion. I'll actually have more to say about that later on the show. This is a little teaser, guys, <laughs> oh. to keep people hooked. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. going to keep them. That's going to keep them glued for the next ninety minutes. It's going to be glued. Like, oh, when's he going to mention? My... And then I think every like twenty minutes, you do that thing like the awards show, where like coming up, Mario Bueno Silva talk at some point. Not, a, oh, not that's, next. That's the outro yeah. for before the ads. I like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Coming, coming up, up. Stay tuned. Somebody at Women's Bantamweight <laughs> is making moves. We'll tell you on the other side. Uh, but the uh, the Strickland DDP fight, uh, I think. Well, I think we were glad at least that DDP got the shot. Uh, that Strickland was doing a quick turnaround because he said he wanted to. He he uh, he looks like he wants to be a fighting champion. That was the reputation he had going into the Izzy fight. That he's active, he's available. It was his his best ability was availability. So I got that fight and won it. Um, and I think the fight is gonna. I think they're they're in crowd fight at two ninety six is gonna generate a lot of interest. Oh, I thought one thousand. I thought it was completely phony. Uh, like I think they might not like each other, but that was a, I got to break it down. That was a bit of a pro wrestling style fight. If you guys watched the video, it's a lot. It's, it's, you pull the guy's head down and then you're kind of throwing these like punches that are like maybe hitting the back of his neck and his shoulders. And I'm like, that looks a little phony to me. I know both these guys are a little nutty and, and, and getting them to follow a script, probably not the easiest thing to do. Uh, so it's, it's probably better to, to believe that like the UFC put them in position for something volatile to happen. And it just, you know, nature took its course, but I don't know. A little Is this bit conspiracy? AK? Those are just how fights work in the I real know. world when there I are know. a bunch of people around you and you're not cordoned off in a cage. I know. Like but you're just kind the, of mauling weirdness. Does anybody the gen, else? The gen, yeah, go ahead, Damon. Does anybody else remember the old WWE skit back in the day when Shaw, when Steve Austin attacked Vince McMahon in the hospital, mm-hmm. which was like one of the yeah. greatest things ever? He's hitting yeah. with those little like rabbit punches. That's kind yes. of what it looked like. That's did a little bit not, what right? it did. Yeah, it did kind of look like that. Like the Steve Austin attacking so Vince McMahon punches. So yeah. we're clear. Brock Lesnar made a career out of those little rabbit punches, by the way. That's very guys. Super true. The, People are trying to listen to the episode of Damn, You Were Good. The, the greatest rabbit We spent a solid time. 10 minutes talking about those little baby punches. You could have you could have gone longer. But it, 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 did, it did feel, again, at best, like, yes, like not pre-planned. But I, I do think there's an element of pro wrestling there. Um, even though, again, both guys are volatile, hard to control. The, one guy gets ejected. Uh, they had the footage ready right after the pay-per-view. Like, they had the footage ready. Uh, they got DD. And, and the Canadian, the UFC Canada tweet, that had the footage also had uh, the Megan O'Levy interview as part of the clip. So it was very, very packaged, uh, very like timed to go right on right after the pay-per-view. And again, it could just be, they're a great production team. They're, they're very, you know, they're very ready to pounce on these moments when they happen. They're ready for it to happen, but I love this. I love this take more than yes. This is a conspiracy AK showing up to, to close out the year. I love it. But and you know it's, what I, hey, it's working. You know what I appreciate most. It. You know what I appreciate most about it, though, honestly, is after the whole Khabib Connor thing from a couple of years ago, when Dana came out after and said this is the worst moment in UFC history, and it's uh, it's abhorrent, and then you know whatever, and then of course, like clockwork, when the fight's coming, they're using it to promote. We all knew it. We all knew it was going to happen. This oh, yeah. time. Dana just embraced it. He's like, you know yeah. what? It happens, and I'm to blame. I sat up next to each other, and you know that's what, like he didn't even try to disguise the like they're going to promote it. And I'm like, you yeah. know what? Good. Like at least you're not putting over the weird 
veil of secrecy like you actually care that these guys got into a fight you're just you're just playing out just saying you're saying the quiet part out loud now you're basically just saying yeah we're going to promote it with this we've already put out social media clips like i kind of appreciate it. it for once that he was just honest and not like oh man that's such a bad look for us no we embrace it we love it i'm a i'm a degenerate i love it I love. I, I liked it in the moment. I liked. I liked going through the various phone videos, like the Zabruder film, pointing like looking at different weird things that happened. Cheeto Vera's face, Volkanovski jumping on a chair immediately to get a better look because he's five foot six. Like all of it. It was that, all. That was just the yeah, best. Just the best. I was a huge fan of the Volk photo. Moving Gilbert Burns' kids yeah, out of the, the way very calmly like- was the best thing it actually made me a sean strickland fan the fact that he literally like quietly ushered the children out of the way and then leapt at ddp is the best thing ever and that happens in pro wrestling too is well security will usually help if they're in on it like they'll move people out of the way before like oh my gosh he jumped into the crowd and is fighting the guy like that's a thing in pro wrestling they do that they move the people out of the way uh it just makes sense because sean strickland understands what he's doing like not a pro wrestling sense like the reason they (laughs) are fighting hyper self-aware yeah, it's it's just like, hey, you know, DDP said some comments about child abuse, and Sean Strickland's very keyed into that. And he, while I disagree with many things that Sean Strickland believes and or says, like he's pretty clear about like where his lines for physical violence are, you know, and it's not on children. <laughs> so credit to him in that regard. I gotta the say, the last thing I'll say about, I, oh, go ahead, Sheen, and then I'll 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 cap it off. But I was just gonna say, DDP, habitual line stepper. Yes, I, in a way that I did not realize. Like I did not understand that this may, like like he's Sean elite heel Sean Strickland beyond habitual line stepper. Like he's in a different category. But DDP, he's got it in him. And like it seems like if he if he ends up being champion, it could just get real gross for like every fight. He, he <laughs> like going there immediately right. with Strickland is wild. Here's the difference: when Sean Strickland is stepping over the line, I genuinely don't think he understands that there's a line that he is stepping across. Like. Sean Strickland is just a, f- he is just doing him in the world. And he has a set of rules that he lives by, but like, he's just, I don't feel like he's aware. DDP knows what he is doing and it is pointed. Like it is, I refuse to believe that when he says I'm going to be the first African champion as a white man in South, like from South Africa, that he did not know every bit of what he was implying or what would be implied upon his words. Like he knows what he is doing in a way that uh, is both a bit revolting, but also kind of sick. Like it's, <laughs> he's a really, really good heel. Yes, I I, I will just agree uh, and leave it at that. So I don't go, I don't uh, incriminate myself any further by agreeing with you. Uh, the last thing I want to say about this incident and the video is, again, credit to the production team as well, and why I think this is like a sort of put so put together. They cut away right before the incident happened, right? You see, you see, you see uh, DDP kind of beckoning him on. They had the one video. They had, and this is before I think Ariel was pointing this out in the MA hours, like right in between the prelims and the main card. They, and they show them, and they're kind of DDP's kind of shouting at him, telling him to bring it on. And then they cut away, and then we hear Joe Rogan and them going like, "Oh my gosh, it looks like there was a fight." And then we get all the cell phone footage. We get everyone around. It goes viral from other people, uh, you know, capturing their video, and and then the UFC obviously they're recording the whole time anyway, then they get to put their version of the video out later. Like, oh, you know what? You saw the, like, the crappy kind of angles or the, the, some, some of the fun angles, but low quality. Here's the HD version of this fight. And I think it was really well done. And I think if they don't do that, I think if they release it, right, if they, it all happens on camera right away, it'll, it, it goes, but it doesn't go organically viral. 
when you have everyone else sharing all their video and everyone's scrapping and you know look, looking for the like oh who has the best video looking for the incident that's how you create a viral moment and i really think they nailed it uh again and i so that's so why i think so much this is on purpose and, and deliberate and planned and then yes yeah, so then they, they clean it up give it their whatever sanitized you know hd version later that's it and everyone's happy everyone's happy you got the viral moment and you got the you got the close-up it's perfect it's so funny it's so funny how this dumb sport works it's so, so funny how all of our dumb brains works uh <laughs> just we, we eat it up we eat it up because you're right AK. i asked you what's the biggest takeaway from the weekend what's the biggest thing we'll think about moving forward obviously is that right because that is what's next but that is also a conversation for next year so i want to table that for a second because to me the other conversation that seems to be prevailing over the past 72 48 hours whatever you want to put it is the aftermath of all of this and what it means for Colby Covington. Where, where does, where does sort of what we just saw from Colby Covington, like trying to put it into context within history, just within the sport and just all of it, like within the welterweight division, all of it, because Colby has always been a very polarizing guy, but the reaction over the past few days, it, it, it is really unlike it's it's like few things I've seen in more than a decade in the sport. And Damon, I'm super curious for your opinion on this too once we get into it because you've been around for a long time as well. The knives are out for Colby from every direction. And there it's 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 very curious. Like there's a mixture of glee and just like straight up revisionism going on from almost everybody. Or maybe re-examination is a better way to frame that. Uh, and I think there's a point to be made that when you spend the majority of your career at this highest level, just fostering this character that epitomizes the worst qualities within humanity, right? Hate, division, all of this. You're eventually going to have to pay the piper when your own public failings and maybe reach a point uh, or a level like it did on Saturday night. But man, even on Saturday, after the fight, Colby's out there. He's trying to thank first responders. He's glazing Trump. He's trying to do go back to the stump speech. And he's getting booed out of the building by his own people, the own people that were so with him all week. It feels to me, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but Jed, I'll start with you. Does it feel to you like something changed since Thursday with the Colby narrative, that this is something that is never coming back in the way that it has changed? And I wonder, do you think the, the sort of reexamination of the Colby legacy that is happening right now, is that fair? So that's a lot of different questions. Um, let's start with the top of something has changed. I am not sure that it is irrevocable, right? So I think certainly in this moment and hell, dude, on fight night, like even the think about it, coming into that fight, the fans were cheering him. He was feeding them the red meat of America and freedom and all that stuff. And, you know, they were, they were all on board. And by the end of it, they are booing his post-fight speech, even when he is actively trying to go back to that well of, Thank the first responders and stuff like that's that is meaningful. And the people in that crowd were able to finally, after years of either willfully ignoring it or uh, just being the dimmest bulbs that ever came out of a box, they caught onto the grift and were like, oh, this guy's actually just full of it. I'm not sure that it sticks forever because when you were talking to pre-show, like thinking of comps, closest one I can get, and it's not exact, but I think the the large structures here that are similar enough is Connor after Poirier three, when he has broken his leg and he is sitting down and he is screaming horrific things at Poirier and his wife and his family and the immediate turn by unilaterally everyone to be like, well, one, you're talking a lot of shit for a dude who can't walk. 
uh, that's and who the fight before got slept for real, for real. So that's not a great look. And two, it's just like really gross that you are bringing his family into this and threatening to murder people. And it was like a pretty universal turn on Connor right there. And then Connor went away for a while and Connor's still Connor. And so ultimately we've all sort of chosen to forget that as we deal with the endless Michael Chandler saga. Um, I think Colby has an opportunity to just kind of go be quiet for a hot minute and people will sort of forget because memories aren't long. And, uh, you know, the red meat crowd needs the red meat thrown at them and he will continue doing that forever. As far as a reexamination of his career, dude's totally fair. I, there has been an interesting, um, contrarian angle from some high profile people in this space who I will not name personally, but you know who you are, who are trying to carry water for Colby. And I, that just don't just don't, I am, I don't care to dunk on him. I don't think it is necessary, but we don't have to pretend like his career is more than it was. We don't know if Colby was good. I'm not here to tell you Colby was vastly overrated. We just will never know how good or not Colby was because he never fought people in the prime of their career during the prime of his. And that's just a fact. You can be like, well, he, yeah. Except he for fought, Usman. He fought Usman in the prime. That is like the he did, one and guy. He lost both of those fights. Yeah. And that's great. And I know that people are really, really pumped to give credit for losses. <laughs> I am. I understand the inclination. I think I, I ascribe credit in those situations far less than other people do because he didn't lose controversially. He lost the fights. And so good. He, I'm glad he, we know that he has a good fight in him in a losing effort, but beating Robbie Lawler when he's already passed it, being Tyron Woodley when he's already passed it, he can't help that part of it. He can only beat the dudes who are in front of him, but he also willingly chose to fight Hori Masvidal and to do these other things. And so I think it is more than fair to say, yeah, he hasn't beaten anyone currently on roster that's not blown up lightweight Rafael Dos Anjos. Like, yeah, he all of his wins have come over older people. And the inclination to be like, yeah, but you know, at the time they were good wins. Even at the time, they were okay wins. They weren't good wins. They were wins where at the time we're like, man, Woodley already lost is kind of coming off it. Robbie's not really at the peak of this. RDA is on a good run, but he's still kind of a lightweight. I'm not sure if this is real. Like these. It's not revisionist history. It's just a true accounting of the facts. And part of that's on Colby. He could have done other things. He could have chosen to fight young, hungry, up-and-comers. Instead, he sat out for two years, and then he just got his ass beat. So it's all fair, man. And then... He calls out the 40-year-old loser. Yeah, and then he does it. The, again, it's I, very I'm consistent. actually pro that call-out. I think it's a quality call-out, but the man's playing to his bit, and this inclination by some people of the MMA media, for whatever reasons, to be like, don't dunk on Colby. One, no. This man has literally been begging to be dunked on his whole run, so take your shots now. And two, like, just you can sit this one out. We don't, we don't need you to save him. It'll be okay. So, Damon, I've been thinking a lot about this just because it is so unique, the reaction since that fight. Um, and really, maybe since Thursday, when maybe this started with the press conference and those comments hitting some people a certain way. But really, the fight and how impotent and flaccid that performance was against Leon Edwards, considering everything that had been spoken beforehand. And sort of, again, the reason why this fight even happened, right? that it was supposed to be the more entertaining fight than Bala Muhammad, aside from just a bigger fight, which it was. 
I'm trying to think of comp comps, as Jed said. And Connor is maybe a decent comp, but Connor also had such inherent of a history built in of like goodwill of people liking Connor because he is the most popular guy we've ever seen here. He has won two different titles, things like that. The Connor comp is there, but I don't know that it fits. I've, I was trying to think of my own, like I thought maybe Ail Sonnen after the Anderson Silva rematch where he loses so badly and it's just such a bad performance. And again, I think flaccid and impotent could be thrown into that as well. Um, but again, Chael had so much goodwill that it does, doesn't also, feel Chael fitting. Chael wore that loss. That is another thing. The reaction, right? Chael wore that loss very well. He immediately pivoted to a very successful light heavyweight thing, regardless of what you think of it, like choking out Shogun and then having the whole rivalry with John, like that that worked. That was a very successful pivot and he had that in his back pocket already ready. I can't think of a good comp right now. And so I wonder for you, you've been around a long time as well. What do you make of what you've seen over the last like three days, the reaction to this? And do, does anything stick out to you of like something similar of a, a, a fighter, like one fight, one night, having such a massive ramification on how we think of them for like moving forward historically all of it it's hard to it's hard to compare it because colby is such a weird interesting case of a guy who has built his over the last few years he has built his entire personality around being a trump acolyte and a guy who doesn't actually win fights that matter that much um you know the woodley fight happened about two years too late the Masvidal fight happened about two years too late. The Lawler fight happened about two years too late. And as Jed said, when your claim to fame is winning three rounds out of 10 against Kamar Usman, that's your claim to fame. That's not a claim to fame. You won. I mean, Conor McGregor won one round against Khabib Nurmagomedov. Does that mean he won the fight? No, he lost. He got choked out. He didn't win the fight. He won one round that was actually a pretty close round doesn't mean he won anything winning three rounds out of 10 and getting your jaw broken in one of those fights does not mean much of anything you lost you lost definitively both times it's hard to compare to other guys who just their, their story has changed so dramatically because colby is such a weird situation because colby has been built up based upon the things he says it's not based around merit nothing he's done has been merit-based nothing zero he has zero wins his last win over a current UFC fighter came in 2018 against Rafael Dos Anjos, who is not a welterweight. We all agree on that. Yes, he does have wins a welterweight, but he's not a legit welterweight. He is a lightweight who blew up to fight a welterweight. That's it. That's five years ago. He does not, no one else. And, and, and him giving Usman a tough fight does not, I don't give him credit for that. You still lost. You got your jaw broken once and you got beat definitively the other time. You coming out and saying I won and I got robbed and stuff, that doesn't mean it actually happened. But there was just this, still this groundswell of support for Colby because he did have that kind of inherent right-wing MAGA audience that kind of got behind him because he had embraced Trump so much that it's almost like people kind of saw him as a Trump acolyte. When Thursday happened and he made the abhorrent comment about Leon Edwards' murdered father, everyone jumped ship. Not a single person that was like a Colby fan seemed to like defend it. I had a couple of idiots I had, I had on some, Twitter. I had some, there was there was some, but it was, it was certainly noticeable. I'm margin, I marginally defended. So. It was certainly noticeable of like, oh, like he just might have lost some of the people who were on his side. But they had to move the goalposts to like to like um, 
oh guys this is the fight game like you can't be so critical of everything they say in a fight like it, like it, it, the goalpost shifted ever so slightly. i'll still defend it and i won't move the goalposts <laughs> like i get hating it and we don't need to litigate this year yeah. but this is that scene in Peaky Blinders. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the show, but when uh, Alfie Solomon's like, what line am I supposed to have crossed? <laughs> what line, man? Like, should, what, there's not a line. Just should, you say yeah. whatever, as long as you're saying it with your chest. Jen, you can't, you it, can't well, say the, it and then be like, should, this was well, all promo. You just Jen, it should, be, it should it. be noted. Jed, it should be noted. You are a terrible person, though. And I'm saying if you if you disliked it, that is a totally reasonable thing to dislike. I get but it. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When Sean Strickland says you went too far, then you've really gone too far. When Sean Strickland's actually defending like Leon Edwards and saying that Colby went over a line. That to me was like I said this, I said this on my podcast I do with Matt Brown. I said Colby, I said Sean Strickland is the guy that Colby Covington wishes he was. Because Sean Strickland just says whatever's on his mind, and he says dumb, stupid, heinous things, and he's very, you know, belligerent, but occasionally he does throw out a nugget. Like last year on our best of for 2022, I said the best trash talk was legitimately Sean Strickland when he went after Israel Adesanya in that one press conference, and he said, I'm not going to lose to a guy who, you know, what he does to cartoons. It was a funny line. It was so, and it flustered Izzy. You could absolutely see it flustered Izzy because he just kept going back to the whole, I believe you froze like Elsa line, which has never landed. Izzy let that one go. Um, he ended up getting starched by Alex Pereira, you know, 48 hours later, but that line absolutely landed. Colby, everything Colby does is rehearsed. And when the rehearsed lines don't work, he goes for the lowest co common denominator. You know, he was, when he sat up at that press conference on Thursday, he went after Wonderboy, he went after Ian Gary, and he went after Leon. And you could tell he was absolutely sitting at home reading lines and rehearsing them. And he still messed them up when he said, I'm going to take you to the seventh la level of hair, uh, which was hilarious. Dude, at the, uh, media, at the media day, he called, he specifically came back after his scrum to call out <laughs> LeBron James. And then he called him LeJohn Brames. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just like, like he is turning so bad. he's turning into he's turning into tito he is really turning into tito ortiz who cannot speak to save oh, his no. life and like publicly oh, no. like he's gonna run for the mayor of some small town in, in florida soon enough like that's where it's gonna go with colby covington um but yeah it's hard that's to compare it to anybody else because no one has no one has built their persona around such a such a weird thing like Actually, up until the whole comment about Leon's father, Leon actually had the best line of that whole press conference when he said, because Leon's British, he's not involved in American politics. And someone's like, what do you think of his obsession with Trump? And he's like, I don't get it. I don't understand anyone being that obsessed with one other person. Maybe he needs to get a girlfriend. And my thought was maybe he needs to get a girlfriend he doesn't pay for, because that seems to be Colby Schnick in life, is paying women to be around him. Um <laughs> But that was the line. Like, that's true. Like, and, and doing it after, and I think after the fight, Here's where Colby blew it. This is 100% where Colby blew it. When he lost to Usman the second time, he had two minutes of humility. In that moment, he went over and shook Usman's hand, said good fight. Remember that? Like, he had two. Now, post-fight, goes back to Colby. You know, I'm, I'm going to get back there, whatever. Okay, two minutes of humility. This time, he didn't do it. This time, he's like, let me give a shout-out to the first responders. I was off for two years. I had ring rust, and Donald Trump 2024, Donald Trump this, Donald Trump. And the crowd's just like, we're done, dude. Like, you lost. Like, show five. You had a garbage fight after talking all this yak, and you come in here and do nothing. You did nothing. 
And they're like, I'm done with you. I mean, I'm like, I like, I joked on Saturday night, I put a, twi- a tweet up, and I said, Donald Trump probably, like, you know, I never knew Colby Covington. Like, that's how bad it was. Is like Trump's gonna disown him. Like, he's like calling him up, like Trump, can I come to Mar-a-Lago? And it's gonna go to a disconnected number. That's how bad it went for Colby Covington on Saturday night. And it's impossible to compare it because even though guys have fallen from grace in weird ways before, no one has had this much of a public persona built around this kind of personality and then go out and sorry for the language shit the bed as badly as Colby did and then do it again. Post fight. He just, it's, it's an anomaly. And I think that's, that's, I think that's a great point. And that's one thing I've been thinking about this whole time is just, okay. Do you feel like, because we said it about Shale, the pivot. He pivoted so hard so quickly, and he was gracious in it. And then he had a very good game plan of like, okay, light heavyweight, I'm going to take this, I'm going to attack this, and John Jones is going to be my my new rival. Was the lack of a pivot after such a poor, poor performance, did you think that was what caused what has happened over the past couple of days? It's just like if, if Colby goes out there and lays that egg and has that really terrible fight, and then afterwards it's like, you know, man, I, this was not my best performance. I was really bad. Leon's really good. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was awesome to fight him and I'll, I'll figure out what's next and that's it. And he's gracious in defeat. Does that change how what's happening over the next couple of days? After that performance, after his whole fight week performance, really, I don't know if there's anything that he could have done to get back in the good graces of the people. I mean, if, you could talk about saving face. You can talk about may, maybe we're not quite slagging on him, piling on as much, but it was just a bad fight, man. It was a bad fight on his part, bad performance, bad week on the mic. It was, it was, it was all the worst parts of the Colby Covington experience. And there's really no coming back from that because he's kind of gone at this point this week, he kind of went all in and you understand why this was probably his last title shot. I, I would imagine this is his last title shot. Uh, maybe he beats Steven Wonderboy Thompson and somehow talks to another one. But again, after that performance, I, I just can't see how, um, so yeah, there's when you go all in like that, there is, I don't know if you can pivot. I don't know if you can pivot. I don't know if he knows how to. He's not that quick on his feet. He's not that quick at he's adapting. Dumb. We know that he's dumb. Thank you, Jeff. He's not a smart guy. I, was, I, I didn't think you would say it. I thought you were yeah. too nice to say no, it. I was dancing around it. Everything yeah. Colby does is rehearsed. And when he mm-hmm. doesn't, when the rehearsed stuff doesn't work, or he says seventh layer of hair, then he gets <laughs> flustered and he has yeah. to go for the lowest common, the lowest, See, but- you know, but that's the good stuff. That's the thing, Damon, is like it does the rehearse stuff doesn't work because he's dumb. And that's harsh, but like he is. And so he's not clever. Like the may, dumb maybe isn't the right. He's not clever. And I think that's more that, fair. That's, that's that's more fair. Yeah, that's more not dumb. Not, he's not clever. And that sort of pro wrestling thing requires a bit of cleverness to pull off a canned line. And to there has to be a little bit of artistry to it, and he doesn't have that. That's why, like, legitimately, his best trash talk is when it is he is super flustered and he is going for that lowest stuff. And it people hate it, and it, you should. Like, it's pretty reprehensible in a lot of ways. But to your point previously, Damon, you know, Leon didn't give a shit about anything. He got, like, very visibly upset and then spoke about it after the fight, saying it still carried through to him when when colby went there like if that's half the purpose of trash talk which is is like that is largely the more important purpose of trash talk that's where colby succeeded and but he's not clever enough to do it because ak there is a way for him to have balanced this out all he had to do is get on he shouldn't have said anything positive about leon but you have to have a little bit of of humility of the moment and that's what chael was good at being Mm -hmm. like hey man 
you know, thing. And, and because Chael was winking and knowing with it, he could say Anderson's really good. Colby could have just gotten up there and been like, I'm really sorry. I let all you down. You're booing me. I totally deserve it. I let America down. I lost to that shitty Brit over there. He's not good. And he just beat me because I sucked. But you know, America hasn't always succeeded. We've had setbacks. We're going to come back. I'm going to do it just like this. And I'm going to do it again. Like that would have gotten the crowd back to him. Yeah. And that's my, my big thing on this. And I'll end is we are a little bit prisoner of the moment right now. I am not confident to how this looks in six months, because yes, I think for the broad population, this is an easy opportunity to take our shots at Colby and have at it, you know, but his fans turned on him that night. I am really not confident they turned on him forever because I'm trying to think of the way to say this in nice phrase. They are not the people largely attracted to that are not doing it on strong moral foundations. It is, Hey, he's saying this thing that I like. Mm -hmm. And so I like it too. And so with some time, he can probably be right back in the same spot. I think that's fair, but I think that you have to win. I think that that sort well, of I mean, thing yeah, everyone hates works loser, if you're winning. And if you're you, losing, you and in particular to. having performances like that, that does not work anymore. And I think people and, will and, jump and, the and, ship. And I, and I will say, even when he does pivot, like on Saturday night, when I when you know, when you know people asked him about fighting Shavkat, and he's like, I'm it not interested in Shavkat. Give me Wonderboy. That's the funniest thing of the weekend. And I put it out, and everyone is just like, he's ducking Shavkat. He doesn't want... like <laughs> people. That's how quickly it turns, because you could justify it all day mm-hmm. why Kobe got the shot over Bilal simply because he was the bigger name with the bigger personality selling more pay-per-views. Okay. I can, I can, even though I didn't agree with it, like Bilal should have gotten the shot. I agree that yes, he has a bigger name, but when he pivoted and tried to do that and he said, wonder boy is the bigger fight. I have no interest in Shafgat. Everyone immediately was jumping all over him saying you're ducking the, the tougher so fight. Funny. It's pretty clear. So again, six months from now, we may have a different story. Also, when you tie yourself so intrinsically to one, to this Trump thing, which is still utterly bizarre to me, like it's, it's spiraled out of control now to where he's wearing like jackets to press conferences with, like it's gone way it's beyond his, what It's it his entire be. personality. Like it is, yeah, it's 1000% like, his entire personality now is Donald Trump. But it's so weird to just tie your, like it's gone so far for Colby now. Like when he tried to do that on Saturday night, it didn't work and no one cared. No, no one wanted it's to hear it at that though. point. No, this is great. When you don't have your own personality, like co-opt a movement. Like that's, <laughs> it's a very easy and, way and to that's live it. Your life. And it works. Yeah, sure. Like if Colby, think about it. Like Colby, do you remember a thing about Colby pre, you know, the lining MAGA? No, because he was just a nondescript, decent fighter who wasn't interesting. It still won't say that he's super interesting now, but he has an identify like he has an identity, and that's like eighty five percent of the battle. We're talking about him. We're talking about him way more but, than we're talking but, about Leon right now. We're at least about, when, not that at, that's yeah. At least when Colby, like I remember after he beat was it Dong Hyung Kim and he flipped out on Woodley on the microphone. I think that was when he was fighting and was it wherever it was overseas. And everyone was like, what the hell? Because Colby and Tyron were both American top team fighters. It was such a weird moment. Like, oh my gosh, like this guy just went for the throat of a guy he's teammates with. And that was out of nowhere. And then obviously he, you know, he went 
to for the throat for Woodley for years, and it was you know he he got pretty ugly talking about his divorce and things like that. And the but then by the time he got to Masvidal, it was like I want to out Trump you on Trump. Like who's who does Trump like better, me that or you, Masvidal? That was the theme. That was the theme of that fight. It was so weird that that's where it went to. Like, I'm not saying Colby was ever good at this because he wasn't, but at least when he did the Woodley stuff, like you could tell there was a personal rivalry there. Like that was really, that got really ugly there between those two. But then it's all shifted now to where it's just all about Trump. And it's just, I don't know, like wearing the George Washington outfit to the presser. Like he's become a joke. I thought he's become a joke. I, I can't, I think there was a way to have that be effective. I think he just didn't. There's just he no didn't way for Colby plane. to have yeah. it be effective. Maybe. He's not clever Shaheen, enough to do any of this. Shane, you said an important thing before, and that's that he has to win, right? He has to win, uh, and that's why the speech was so much. So that speech he gave after the win, that's the speech he was going to give. Oh, sorry, after excuse me, losing to Leon Edwards, that's the speech he would have would have given if he'd won too. Mm-hmm. A, a few words would have been changed, mm-hmm. but that's mm-hmm. it. That was the canned speech. That was the uh, win or lose. I'm going to go in on this Trump thing, and it came off that way. It came off. That's why the crowd was booing. It, it was or that worse, speech, not, and then confused. it would have added a call out. But yeah, yeah you, call you nailed out. it. Okay. And talk about how much Leon sucks. It would open with how much Leon sucks. Trump, 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 call out. It was a, and you could tell, you're like, this is weird. Like, this is a weird post-loss speech. It's a weird speech to give under any circumstances, but it definitely felt like someone who thought they had won in some way. And it's like, you didn't win anything tonight, bro. Like, this is not the, this is definitely not the time for it. And also on the topic of pivoting, when, when you want to compare someone like him to someone like a Conor McGregor, and not that you should, um, uh connor actually people forget he would always pivot in the short term right he 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 knocked out aldo i'm sorry to bring that up he's one of the greatest losers ever. oh though. yeah he would he even would winner, with even grace aldo. until the the point when he when, when he knocked out aldo there was the whole there's the audio of him going like oh we'll, we'll run it back we'll do it again this was before we knew he was never going to run it back with anyone but at the moment in that moment if you see the audio it seems very sincere like oh he he actually does feel a little bit bad for aldo and like and like they'll, they'll rematch it. They'll, he respects him. They'll run it back after the second Diaz fight. They're like, "Yeah, we'll do the trilogy. Yeah, we'll run it back. Great fight, great fight. We'll do the trilogy." And then, like within forty-eight hours, they'll go on Twitter and like pivot back the other way. And then at some point, he kept pivoting back and forth so quickly that it's lost all effectiveness. But on the way up, he was really good at like if there was a setback, he pivot to nice guy. If he, when he won, he pivot to nice guy briefly, um, except for the Eddie Alvarez apologize, uh, no one, which is fantastic. He's so much better at it. So when people compare Colby to like Chael or Connor, it's laughable. Well, and the chill thing, I do want to say about the rehearsed stuff. Try to imagine, I thought about this while you guys were talking. Try to imagine Colby pulling off the little nogs, uh, the character. That's a big nog, excuse me. The cat would the never story. happen. Try to imagine Colby pulling that off. And I'm not defending that story. If people find that story like kind of racist or offensive, I, I get it's it. It's not kind it. of, it's like deeply super rich. But the delivery on it there you go. makes it work. It's classic. It's classic. People talk about it. It's it's he keeps getting away with it as it were because it was it was i don't know i feel bad about laughing about it but the story is kind of absurdly funny especially the way he tells it imagine colby trying to pull, pull that story off or any of chell's stories Chell has a lot of stories some some less offensive than that one colby's not pulling any of those stories off he cannot do it he can't i've fallen victim to doing the same thing we've all done when we talk about trash talk and like running back to the colby and connor comparisons because connor Connor is one of the greatest trash talkers of all time, but he's he's fallen into the Colby trap lately of going for the most personal shots possible. It started with the Khabib thing where he just got really ugly, talking about his wife and stuff, and it just it didn't it wasn't comfortable. It didn't feel good, and then suddenly pivoting to Jolie Poirier and stuff like that just wasn't good. But we all remember 
the best of Connor with red panty night. And who the fuck yes. is this guy? Like Jeremy yes. Stevens could win the next 30 fights in a row. And he could knock out Floyd Mayweather in an exhibition match. And somebody would inevitably say, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> That's how good Connor was in the moment of yeah. like just ripping people to shreds. Col- Colby can't do that. Colby's not Chael. Colby's not Connor. He's not that, as as Jed said, he's not that clever. So I have to, I am guilty of comparing it just because we talk about trash talk. Colby's not that good. If Colby, as we said, if Colby can't rehearse it in a mirror at home and figure out what he's going to say, he can't respond to people. And, and that's why I said Sean Strickland is who Colby Covington wishes he was. Because Sean Strickland, love him or hate him, is authentic. He may be authentically someone you don't like, but he's authentically Sean Strickland. There's we never all know, doubt about yeah. what he is. Or Colby he Covington is. wishes he was Sean Strickland. Like he does. He wishes he was Sean Strickland where he could just be that guy and get people to like him for saying stupid, stupid stuff. Colby's not that guy. Like he can't be. And I think it flusters him that he can't be that guy. I'm sorry. I just had to throw that in there. Well, so speaking of pivots, I want to pivot a bit because for our purposes, the ranking of Colby was always going to be interesting to me because oh. Colby, oh, that was very ominous laugh. Okay. Uh, Colby was taken out of the rankings several months ago because he passed our threshold for inactivity. You sit that long. Eventually it comes time. It's a hard and fast rule. 18 months and you're out. He passed 18 months. He was out. It happens to everybody. It's happened to Nganu. It's, it happened to Stipe. It happens to everybody. So he was unranked coming into this past weekend. And the most interesting part of it to me was how folks on our team were going to treat this if he lost. Because again, if he won, he would have probably been number one, right? But it has been said a lot at this point, the resume is certainly lacking just in terms of you look at the rest of that top 15 in the welterweight division. Colby hasn't fought any of them. And the ones he has fought, he has lost to. So there's just not a lot there to build a resume around if you're trying to rank it. Ooh, ooh don't don't stop at the top 15 though. Go to the top 50. Because <laughs> you haven't fought any wrong. of those people either. The top 150. You're not wrong. They ain't there. It's such a bizarre case. I, I genuinely, again, thinking of comps, I can't think of many comps for this. Um, and then Colby goes out. He lays the egg that he laid. Uh, one of the worst performances again in a long time. And now you look at our rankings today. They're about to come out, I think, on Wednesday. So if you're listening, it's Tuesday. They haven't come out yet, but they will come out on Wednesday. And we've already done the math. Colby Covington, spoiler, he's not even ranked in the top 15 at welterweight for us right now. He is eligible and he did not make it on anyone's ballot except for two people. Uh, Those two people were me. I put him on my ballot and Mike Heck. Mike Heck also put him on his ballot. Defend yourself. Outside of me and Mike. None of y'all on the eight-person panel put Colby Covington on their top 15. And so I wanted to, to, to throw it to you because I think a lot of people would be surprised by that. Whoever wants to answer this question, because you're all sort of in the same boat in this case of none of the three of you did it. If I am a Colby Covington diehard fan and I am outright, outraged by this, sell me on it. Sell me on how this makes sense that he is not even a top 15 fighter. The, the first thing I'm doing is, is giving you a hug and telling you that life will be okay and to pursue other <laughs> well, interests in life. I need that. Uh, yeah, it, someone has to. I feel like that's what led you down this path for a Colby Covington fan. Uh, I'll say first, I'm very consistent with uh, people coming off of layoffs and losing. You did this with Cejudo. This, this, this goes all the way back to the Cejudo. And Cejudo did, uh, let's say he did a tad better than Colby Covington did in his title fight, his comeback title fight. Uh, some would argue that Henry Cejudo beat Aljamain Sterling. 
uh, in their title fight, and I still didn't rank him. So I'm somewhat consistent where if you come back, I want you to win. I, I just want you to get a win. Or, and this has come up on the preview show, I think, I think Mike had asked me, what a strong, if there's a strong performance from Colby, you know, 48, 47, uh, 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 Edwards, or like a split decision, something like that. Maybe if he, he, he rocks uh, Edwards, has Edwards in some sort of danger during the fight, will, will you rank him? And I actually, I think I said I would. I think I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just eyeing it here. He would land somewhere uh, behind like Ian Machado, Gary, and Jack De La Madeline, and like guys who aren't as accomplished as him, but are certainly more active lately, have been picking up bigger wins lately. So, so he would still be in my top 15. But the performance was so bad, it was very easy to, to leave him out. In fact, it was, it was difficult to think of a way I could include him because, uh, yes, we, we criticize welterweight for stagnation sometimes, but actually like the lower part of the top 15 has actually been pretty busy. So I can't put him in the top 10. I can't put him over some of the uh, guys who have been doing work in Bellator. Jason Jackson just took a spot in there. I would rank Jason Jackson over Colby Cumberton. I'd pick him to beat Colby Cumberton if they fought. So uh, it, it was pretty easy for me to leave Colby out. And this is not getting into the discussion of Colby's legacy. I, we've, I know we've said it ad nauseum, uh, the relevancy of his wins from three, four years ago. Even discounting that, it's just like the performance wasn't good enough. You can't be away this long. Uh, he had to show something. He showed nothing. I, I can't imagine someone watching that and telling me that they thought they were seeing a top 15 welterweight in action. I think you all know me that I'm the merit-based guy more than anything. Like I'm the wins and losses guy. Like, and there's a reason why that matters most to me for everything. Colby doesn't, I know I keep saying it, but Colby doesn't have a win over a current fighter on the UFC roster since 2018. That's five years. Now I know he sat out for a big chunk of time. That's five years. That's a long time to just get one win that matters. He doesn't have any. He does. He, his last win that technically matters was Rafael dos Anjos five years ago, and in that time, guys like Ian Gary have picked up big wins. Kevin Holland has more impressive wins. Yaroslav Amosov has more impressive wins. Jack Della Madalena. I'm looking at my personal list here. Jason Jackson, Sean Brady, Vicente Luque, Jeff Neal. All these guys have more impressive wins. At least one. At least one quality win. Colby has none in five years. Now, talent-wise, do I believe Colby could potentially beat, let's say, a Kevin Holland? That's a guy I have ranked in there. Or a Logan Storley, who, let's be honest, is not great. But at least he has a legitimate win. A couple of them. You know what I mean? He has a couple legitimate wins over the last five years. Would I pick Colby to beat a couple of them? Potentially, maybe. But he's done nothing to earn it. At some point, you have to earn it. And he has not had a relevant win in five years that matters yeah so uh i'm not going to spend too much time dunking on colby um though at the end of this i will ask you to defend yourself shaheen uh <laughs> okay. this is really simple uh i wouldn't rank him in the if we did it down to 25 or 30 motherfucker wouldn't be in my rankings uh it's very like at, by this point everyone listening to this probably aware thing i put the most focus on is who would win in the fight on neutral ground um but then i look at like actual wins actual losses uh performance and then activity like those are the sort of the five factors that i look at he doesn't have any wins or losses at this like his, his losses are losses you don't get that much credit for a loss even a decent performance in him he doesn't have the wins he doesn't, he's not active and he was like ak said he was poop on saturday like i it wouldn't shock me if he can fight better than that 
Also, it wouldn't shock me if that's just who Colby is now. Like, he's a little older, been a long layoff. Not sure how good he was. I know that he wasn't bad. I know that he was a, a pretty good fighter at the peak of his powers, but it seems like we're not there. So, you gotta, if you're gonna be gone that long, you gotta come back and win something. Like, we're gonna talk about this later. I give John Jones less credit than everyone else does because he has fought once in the last five years or whatever it is, but at least he won and did so dominantly. He didn't lose the uh, say leader for f worst fight of the year. So, cause that's like, if you at least lose with Verve, but no, you lost a bad fight to a guy who wasn't doing much either. It's, there's no reason for him to be ranked unless it is purely holding on to, and this is the most critical piece, losses to Kamar Usman that happened, and just true fact, two and four years ago. Losses that happened two and four years ago. Like, if the, if that Jesus, is what you were holding on to... four years ago? That makes me <laughs> feel so It was December of 2019. That is crazy. You did not have a... Gene, you did not have a child <laughs> by what I'm assuming is the reason you still have Colby ranked at all because he lost to Usman that second time. You were without child at that moment. Like it's, you gotta get wins over people at least relevant to, to be in the conversation of ranking to me. That made me feel so old. I didn't, I had not. <laughs> I had knew that Two and four years. I knew that, but when you speak yeah, you it, it out but you loud, didn't know it. Yeah, when you yeah. speak it out loud. I mean, I'll defend myself just real quick because we are going to move on. Um, I try to stay, for the most part, away from theoretical with my rankings. I slip into it here and then if I'm very high on somebody. I try not to to to, to go full Jed because that is what Jed tends to do. You go full theoretical. Of who I believe will win this fight. That feels ridiculous to me for rankings purposes, which are maybe a little more scientific or should be. Uh, but I, I slip into it sometimes. And really, that's just what this was. Um, I look at the bottom of my welterweight rankings. I had Sadabu C and Kevin Holland at the very last 14, 15 spot. I don't know where Colby is at this point. He is, he is old in this division. It is a young man's division, and he looked old. He looked slow. Uh, so I don't like if you put Colby up against Jeff Neal, you put him up against Ian Gary. I think he loses any of those fights. Like that's just realistically where it was. So I couldn't put him above those guys. But I do think you put him up against Kevin Holland, who bad stylistic matchup for Kevin. I think he could win that Kevin Holland fight. And I think he beat Sadabusi. So that was sort of where I ended up with it of just like, OK, like this is the place I'm for Colby now. People are going to think I am joking, and I swear to you this is an honest question. Is Sadabusi that much different than the Leon, the performance Leon <laughs> offered against Colby on Saturday? Rangy kickboxer who's just not going to engage a lot. There's a... They are stylistically similar, my brother. I mean, I'll tell you what. We'll find out, because if this Wonder Boy fight, this very dumb Wonder Boy fight happens, that is another rangy kickboxer who's not going to engage with him in that way. And if, if Colby looks really bad again, that's it, man. That's the end I of it. I want to be real clear. So the people yelling right now, I am not saying that Sadabusi is anywhere remotely as good as Leon Edwards. No, I'm just saying I would not confidently pick Colby to win that fight. I might pick him to win it. Not a ton of confidence it's, there. 
It's funny you say that because everyone talked about the Wonder Boy call out, which was, you know, totally on brand for Colby. Uh, Matt Brown said, he's like, I don't like that. He's like, I don't think that's a fight that Colby could definitely win. He's like, I think Wonder Boy could beat him. Wonder Boy at range and, and, you know, he's shown pretty good takedown defense over the years. He's like, I don't think that's just an automatic win for Colby. And I'm like, you might be right. Also, Shaheen, I'm, this is not being critical. I'm just for your next cycle. Maybe, maybe look at our boy Double Magomed because he did yes. beat Sadabusi. Thank you, Chad. Convincingly, he's won six. Won a lot of fights. fights. He's won like nineteen it's, of the last. He's, 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 he's the, very good. More importantly, he's the champion <laughs> of the co-leader. You know, <laughs> and two, you, two, you two don't have a lot of co-leader like, representation on your rankings. Yeah, so so two I will say, to, 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 defend, was right there. to defend myself, was right there. the last ranking cycle was before the, the double Magomed win. It's so true. I hadn't had chance to replace him yet. And also he was my okay. last man out on my 15. I, also, I was really uh, struggling to not get him in there, but I couldn't I find would, his butt. I think he'd be like a minus 500 favorite. Magomed, Magomed Karamov over Kobe. Mm-hmm. He's Covington got two right Magomeds so in like, his name. I think he would. That's, I think Magnus would annihilate Colby Covington right now. So it was right there. If, if the right Colby there. from Saturday shows up, a lot of people are going <laughs> to annihilate him, man. Like that dude's not the guy on Saturday. I don't know about what Colby was at his peak. We can argue that the guy on Saturday has not beaten a whole host of homies. Like he was a bad fighter. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm interested to see if we find out because I think there are two ways this can go now. Colby can set out for another year. And by the time he comes back, maybe some of this has moved past, but also I feel like people will have just forgotten or will have stopped caring. Or he can try to do the quick turnaround thing of like, okay, that that was just a fluke, ring rust, and try to get in there with Wonderboy quickly in 2024. And if he loses that one, then it's kind of over too. So we'll see. There's, there, there, are, there is a way to save this for Colby, but I don't know if we're going to get there. because That, that Wonderboy fight is so risky. Because one, let's I, risky the Shavcat. No, no, no. I think the Shavcat fight, like you're just going to lose. Um, but it's a little bit more explicable. But if you spend a whole buildup calling this dude a pedophile oh, and then he just Wonder work. Boys all over you, you actually just can't. I don't think he can recover from losing to Wonder Boy in the way that he would. Build but also, it up. he cannot spend the whole build calling one of the nicest guys anybody knows. I mean, he's definitely going to do that. That will not work. It will not hit, and it will backfire incredibly. He's, he's hard. definitely just going to keep doing that. It, w- <laughs> it will. It will backfire harder than anything Kobe's done so far. That will be yeah, the way it, to and torch be, any life saying. left and over. If he goodwill, loses yes. it, and then he loses it. He's done. That's super risky. We'll see. They're going to make him fight. They're going to either make him fight Wonder Boy or he's going to fight Vicente Luque, the other nicest guy ever. But Vicente Luque is also very violent. But that's the other one. Like, he'll do something like that. Like, that's what's going to happen. Vicente Luque works for me. Vicente Luque actually makes a lot of sense. That's the matchup. Uh, Well, we got a lot more left to get. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, y'all, we are back. Quick other things we want to get to. Also, the really, the, we haven't talked about this man very much, and he was the winner of the final UFC pay-per-view of the year. Uh, Leon Edwards, the welterweight champion of the world. And what a turnaround it's been for Leon Edwards over the past couple of years. We don't need to get into it. We've talked about it a lot on, on various shows. Ariel, our good friend Ariel Hawani, had a tremendous breakdown on the MMA Hour on Monday of just the road that Leon has taken over the course of his career and sort of how how incredible it is that we've reached this place with him. Because I said it on the post-play show on Saturday, but for the majority of this man's career, no one cared about him. No one really was in his corner in the whole entire time. He was hearing about these two guys at welterweight who would crush him, that he didn't stand a chance against them. There was no reason he should even fight them because it wouldn't be worth it. Talking, of course, Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington, and now Leon Edwards has a combined three victories over both. And so for us, for our purposes, Leon Edwards, obviously the, the, the number one welterweight in the world, that hasn't changed. But on the pound for pound list, we are now starting to talk in pretty rarefied air for the prime of Birmingham. Uh, he jumps over John Jones on our latest pound for pound list. He is now number three behind the two, the two titans we have had for a while, Islam and Volk. Leon Edwards is now that number three spot. And there was a lot of reaction to this news when we put it out on Monday. Very little of it positive, I will note. Uh, there was a lot of, you guys are insane. Yeah, yeah. These are why these rankings are dumb. All of that. So I'll throw it to you guys. Did we overthink this? Is this a good call or a bad call? <laughs> you left out the best part of all of this, Shaheen. And um, because I wanted to make sure I had this right when I was looking at it. So uh, this is my fault. And I'm, I'm, yes. I couldn't be more happy about that. I'm glad you're taking uh, ownership. I'm glad you're taking Jed. ownership. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Blame my Jed. fault. And I couldn't be because here's what happened. I think you would look at this and reflexively say, "Oh, well, Leon's getting credit for this sort of lame win that bumps him up." That's not what happened here, ladies and gentlemen. Leon uh, moved down in my rankings by a position, and nobody else moved him. So he stayed the same for everybody else, and he moved down one spot in my rankings. I elevated Alejandro Pantoja for his spectacular win, and we can talk about how I think y'all aren't giving him enough love, but that's a separate thing. Uh, what happened was uh, F, F John Jones, baby. We're going to drop him down because he's not fighting, and that's the most important part of being a ranked fighter is doing the fighting thing, and this is not a career pound for pound list. If it was, John Jones might be right at the very, very top. But this is not the greatest of all time list. This is a, a list of the pound for pound fighters actively competing. And Jonathan Bones Jones, Jonathan Dwight Jones has competed once in three years. It was a great win. I just talked about it. But as I said, I still felt like I gave him a little too much credit because it's just the one. And the thing that really sealed it for me is because it has become inarguably apparent what is happening here. John is out. He's injured. He can't fight. 
John is going to fight Stipe. That is a fight that doesn't mean shit to anybody, but sure, it's going to happen, and we've all accepted. When that's done, John is done. We do not need to stand on ceremony and pretend like he is an active participant in the sport of MMA. He is prize fighting one individual, and he did beat Cyril Gaunt. The only reason I didn't drop him from my pound for pound entirely is because I thought y'all might actually like not allow me to do that. <laughs> I thought I would get Smart. some angry messaging from yeah. the from the rankings association and be like, hey, we got to talk about what's going on here. And so I I bumped him down. And because again, it is, this might even be different if he had beaten Cyril gone, like in November, he beat that dude in March and he hasn't fought since then. He has one fight since like kids are in first grades. <laughs> He's just not actively competing. And he has made it explicitly clear that he will not actively compete moving forward. I would not have docked him this for just an injury. Like if it was just an injury, I, I think we I could have a different thing. But it's just been made evident. I'm fine. Like he's fighting Stipe when the injury is healed and he's done after that. I'm, I'm done pretending like he is part of the conversation of the actual sport and not in his own separate little bubble, which is fine. But like he, the rest of these people are putting in work two to three times a year and deserve to be recognized as such for it. The UFC and John Jones could not have poked the Jed Mishu bear more with the with the making it so vividly clear that no, John Jones will not be fighting Tom Aspinall. John Jones will only be fighting Steve Miocic. It's like they wanted you to do this, Jed. It's like Jed Mishu, we know you're out there. They're like, we dare you. They're like, we dare you to drop John Jones in the rankings. And you said, and you said, oh really? Oh really? And you dropped him down pretty low. Did you say? Did you? I don't think you said. You did you? I'm down to twelve. America uh, out of I'm, the top ten. Yeah, I have him down at 12. So part of that was also uh, he was the first implementation uh, okay. of Tell them. Yeah. Uh, next year because we we decided that I wasn't allowed to keep changing the way I do rankings because AK didn't like it when I was doing the like every month and just sort of firing from the hip. Uh -huh. uh, and, but at the end of the year, I get to kind of we're going to take a reset and I get to sort of implement some new rules. And one of them is an inactivity belt. Like if you are inactive, you are going to start being penalized. And John hasn't fought since March. So that... Uh, knocked him a couple of spots and then really i like i said i actually would have just popped him off entirely but i yeah. i honestly thought that i would have that would be more work to explain well i mean you almost could have hit him with a retroactive inactivity penalty because it's you know you say he hasn't fight since march fought since march and he, before that he hadn't fought since 2020 AK, why are you defending so, this what is, what is no, this? because I, I love it i love think it about so, that like y'all explain to me and i there are arguments and i'm happy to because again uh -huh. i'm the dude who's just i pick the guys i think are the best fighters new win and if that's your uh -huh. if that's your reasoning i'm not here to argue that point but if your reasoning is on meritocracy and accomplishments where are you drawing lines for what shit matters because the other part of it too is it's not like John's back end at light heavyweight was something we want to talk about. Mm -hmm. He did not beat Dominic Cruz. He got a win over Dominic him. Reyes. Dominic, Dominic Reyes. Reyes, he got a win over him. Anthony Smith was did not inspire confidence. Tiago Santos, he <laughs> probably won, but Tiago Santos had no working knees. So you are really leaning heavily on things that happened six, seven, eight years ago. It was sick when he dropped Leoto Machida like a sack of potatoes. Damon. I ain't here to argue that. Damon.
I, That's a on. lifetime I, I, ago, wait, I, man. I want to let I want to let Damon get in here because he does have uh, one of the, our three panelists who still has Jones number one at heavyweight and and uh, top two at, at pound for pound. But the two two more funny notes I have to add to this thing, Jed. You you were one of the earliest people to submit your rankings this cycle, so you didn't know the effect that this would have. I had no overall. clue. Like you you had no clue. The math was not even close to being done. I think you were the first or second person to just have your ballot in already. Uh, you can't see this in our math by our scoring system, which is uses like an inverted thing where that you know number one is worth the most points and number fifteen is worth less points. Uh, uh, Jones is only behind Edwards by literally one point. <laughs> if you had to, if you had put Jones at a even one spot higher. And here's, uh, and I'm like, I'm, that's, we so got, somehow you did it. Our process might be flawed. Might I think be. that's honestly a, like a more than fair result. Cause even, it. even by y'all's standards of wanting to reward John Jones for wins literally a decade ago, uh, -huh. uh like uh, Leon Edwards has just been beating very, very good people for yeah. several years while John has not been doing anything like let let that man eat. eat, and I'm the dude who's shitting on Leon. And, no, and hold on, Jed. Jed, just all right. No, me... Jed, just to make people wait, wait, Jed, just to make people more mad. What? One last thing for Jed. Just to make people more mad, and to push our our much needed uh, heavyweight agenda here. Can you name? Can you say the the next four people ahead of John Jones up to your number eight spot? The next four people ahead of John Jones. I uh, yeah, look, you got to look at your own rank. Oh, do you okay, want me to say I'll, it for I'll you? I'll pull it up. I'll say it for uh, you. Okay. It for you. So, uh, so between I got those four. Uh, Charles Oliveira, feel great about that. Max Holloway, feel great about that. Alex Pereira, it's weird, but I don't feel bad about it. Uh, Tom Aspinall, I mean, I don't well, feel bad about important. it, and that's funny. But that's most important. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. the most important. I don't I feel say, bad about that, and yeah. that's funny. Yeah. Uh, Aljo, feel great about that. Sean Strickland. Again, weird, but like O'Malley. O'Malley, you forgot O'Malley. Too. Oh, O'Malley. Again, yeah. a little weird, but like okay with it. Why not? You know? I don't know. All of these dudes are consistently beating guys and fighting more than once every three years. I'm with it, Damon. Okay, I think so hold on. Let Damon, me let me say something. Come at me, Damon. Damon. Come I'll at set me. you up, Damon. I'll <laughs> set you up. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Because there was a lot of jet. We just got a lot of jet right there. Uh, I have to say, I hate the process. I hate everything that you just said. Jed, because it feels very flippant. It feels very, uh, just I'm going to kind of do some stuff. Very chaos agent. I don't mind the result because ultimately the top four that we have now on the website is the same top four that I have on my personal list with Leon Edwards, number three, John Jones, number four. I agree with you in the respect of like, hey, what have you done for me lately? That is what pound for pound lists are ultimately about is who, who is currently putting together the best crop of work resume within the, this short time span. And it gives you that snapshot of like who right now are the best fighters in the world who are actively competing. So I agree with the result. I have no problem with the result. The process is very dumb to me, but you can do you. That's why there's eight people. Usually one person's opinion does not have this sizable of an impact on the rankings because of the way it averages out. But you managed to beat it by one point. It's just incredible that you managed to beat it by one point. Wait till I drop his ass further. We'll see how low we can bring him. But Damon, I want to bring you in here because you are... Mr. John Jones, you are the biggest John Jones defender in every respect that I know. You've already submitted to me your fighter of the year ballots. John Jones is on your fighter of the year ballot, and you are so far the only person to do that. So what do you think about, A, our rankings now, John Jones being out of the top three, and what do you think about what Jed's been uh, saying for the past 15 minutes? So you're going to be a little shocked to hear me say this. So I actually did play a small part in John dropping as well, because I actually bumped Leon Edwards up to number three pound for pound and dropped Volkanovsky down to number four. Um, so Leon Edwards is number three on my pound for pound list. I have John Jones 
Hoisted by your own guitard. I'm sorry. I have Isla Makachev, John Jones, and then uh, Leon Edwards. And I dropped Volkanovski down to number four because, like it or not, I don't care. You took it on short notice. You got head kicked, knocked out. You get dropped a little bit when Leon Edwards goes out there and has a quality win. So that also played at least a small part. But here's where I say you're going to be shocked at my answer here. I weirdly understand and weirdly kind of defend Jed's point for this reason. If you look at my women's pound for pound list, Juliana Pena is nowhere to be found. That's because <laughs> her last win, her last win yes. came in December 2021 over Amanda Nunes. Since that time, she got absolutely dominated by Amanda Nunes and hasn't fought since then. She's been out since July of 2022. I, in good conscience, cannot put Juliana Pena on the pound for pound list and any chance I've gotten to drop her lower and lower at women's bands weight. I've taken it because she hasn't fought. She hasn't beaten anyone who's she has zero wins over anyone on the current UFC roster. Now I will battle a little bit with Jed over John because John does have a legitimate win over a top five heavyweight in Cyril gone. That still matters. That absolutely that's still why, matters. That's why he's still ranked. And that's why I have him still at number one at heavyweight. That's why I still have him number two at pound for pound behind Isla Makacha. But I defend Jed a little bit here because I have a similar reasoning with Juliana Pena where I've dropped her completely out of pound for pound. And I think she's like number nine or 10 on women's bantamweight. And I would drop her lower if women's bantamweight wasn't a garbage fire. And there's no one even in that division at this point. Um, so in that weird way, even though I don't agree with his ranking, I have to kind of defend it because I'm doing a lot of the same thing to Juliana Pena in her division. But to my defense, at least Juliana Pena, at least John Jones has a win over a current top five UFC fighter in Cyril Gaon. Juliana Pena does not. So again, I feel a little bit better about my Juliana Pena ranking, but in a similar fashion, I'm doing to her kind of what Jed is doing to John Jones. So in a weird way, I kind of defend Jed in this situation. This is the handshake just, meme right here. What's this, what's this is just incredible. What just happened? That, that felt like a weird drive-by on Juliana Pena for no reason. But I'm saying, like, I'm using, I'm using the same logic. Like, I'm okay, using the yeah. same basic logic. Like, I'm saying, sure, like, sure. she has zero wins over anyone in the current UFC roster. She hasn't fought in a year and a half. I can't, in good conscience, put her in the pound for pound list. She's not. I just looked at my pound. She is nowhere in my top fifteen women in the pound for pound list. I had so many rebuttals ready. Like I was, I was ready. I was like, all right, I got my rebuttals. I know where he's coming. A lot of it's fair criticism, but here I got fire back. And I'm like, nope, we good. We good. It's incredible. We eat now here, boys. Y'all, y'all high five see, here. Y'all listening could not see, but Jed has literally been doing a happy dance for like the past <laughs> seventy five seconds. I was so ready. I was so ready to get into the muck here. I was like, oh, oh, you guys, well, half of y'all have Tom Aspinall as your top heavyweight, but somehow John Jones, you're really just living and dying on 2016, aren't we? No, don't even need to go there. Damon knows what's up. Damon knows ball. That's what we've established. Damon knows ball. All right, let's move on. We can just move on. Uh, as I said, I, I like the result. I don't like the process, but I'm one man. I'm one man among say We still... we. Somehow at the end of that, we still barely talked about Leon. We've talked about Juliana Pena on the show more than we've talked about I feel about like Leon, Leon deserves sorry, it, Leon. though. I will just no, say, like, Leon, Leon, Leon deserves did, to no. be in the top three. When you go that long without losing yes, a fight yes, and you're fighting very talented fighters every time Thank out, you. you deserve to be in that spot. More, Even more so than that. So I'm going to say a nice thing about Leon and a bad Please. thing about Leon. And so, because oh, that. Well, no, it's well, it's just true. Bad is relative. It is just a true fact. The here's the thing about Leon that I think I think we all go. You know, he's won however many is it in a row that he has not lost a fight, thirteen or something. 
is that he hasn't actually, he has lost one fight in the last eight years. And that one fight he lost, he then double avenged. Yeah. Like that's, it's an incredible run. And you no doubt about it, need to give that man his prop, like his due and propers. Uh, the, the very first question you sort of asked Shaheen, and I had my thing here, but then we sort of moved off to talk about Colby and stuff was, what's your big takeaway? And I totally get all the big takeaways. My big takeaway this weekend is, man, the Leon Edwards era is going to kind of suck. Okay, we're, I'm, I'm cutting you off. We're not doing this again. This is just the post yeah, show yeah, again. Yeah, I know, we know gonna, where this, this is going. This is just the post show again. Dead. Jed. I'm not trying to get like deep into the- it, but t- <laughs> explain this to me. We, I don't have to be as, as vibed as I was. I don't need to go into that. Can you look me in the eyes through our zooms right now and be like, this is going to be a super fun run. It's not important. It's not, it's not that's important. Not, What's important that's not meaningful. Is that's the definitely discussion. important. Three, he's one well, of the also, top three best pound for pound fighters in the I'm go- world. As we've I'm going to use what right. you said as a pivot. I like lots of talking about pivot on this show, by the way. We've had lots of pivot conversations. It's, it's good. Uh, Shavkat Rikmanov, who I think all of us on here believe is probably the future champion of this division, or at least I certainly do it. I know, Jed, you do as well. I, I'm pretty sure Damon and AK, you guys are on this train as well. He feels to me like we are just waiting for him to take this belt at this point. 18 fights, 18 wins, 18 finishes. I said it on the post show. I have not seen a finish rate this consistent and this impressive amongst the highest tiers since the prime days of Carlos Condit. Since like full NBK, natural born killer going out there, getting killer be killed every time out. And he's the one coming out on top every single time. This is kind of unprecedented. I wouldn't, it's not fully unprecedented, but it is, it is bordering unprecedented levels of just when you get to historically, when this happens, when we have a person who is the finish machine on the regional scene and even on the lower end of the UFC, that does not translate all the way up once you go all the way up the ladder. Hamza Shemaev, going to decision with Gilbert Burns. Like eventually you meet people who are just too talented, too tough to not be able to get put out there in the first or second round. And yet Shavkat Rogmanov is still doing it with one good leg out here being the only person to submit Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in a 13-year career. It is, it's ridiculous. And I saw like people crapping on that performance of like, ah, oh, this is so boring. Shavkat's so boring. And you could say, sure, maybe you don't like his mic work. He is objectively not a good listen at, for interviews. Like that certainly is, is a valid criticism. Man has one boring round his entire life and, and you're going to start calling it boring, like whatever. What have you done for me lately? But he gets these dudes out of there and he does not need the judges. And it feels to me, Jed, you asked, is the Leon Edwards era going to be fun? Probably not. I also don't think it's going to last very long because I think it's, it's Shavkat is one fight away at most from then getting his shot, and he's going to be the betting favorite to win the belt in that fight the moment it is booked, and then it's going to probably happen, and who knows how long that's going to last. But for our purposes, Shavkat Rachmanov, today is now our number three welterweight in the world. He jumps up to number three and leaps over Bilal Muhammad, so he's only now behind Leon Edwards, Kamara Usman. Is there a case to be made that we are too low here? Am I am I too excited right now? Is there a case to be made that Shavkat should be number two, or does number three feel right? There's a case to be made that you're all wrong, and Shavkat should not have jumped over Bilal Muhammad. Let me start there. Okay. Because uh, while I do now, while fair. while I do believe and I agree, Shavkat is the guy. If I'm picking like a future champion, I would 100% agree with that. But and I like Shavkat. This is not a knock on Shavkat. Let me just be clear about that. Not a knock on him, but. 
Yes, he has a win over Jeff Neal. That was a dog fight, incredible fight. He ends up putting him away and obviously going out there and submitting Wonder Boy absolutely matters. It really does. But this Bilal Muhammad thing, I still, it's uh, again, Gilbert Burns, short notice. Again, take away all the conditions around it. He beat Gilbert Burns pretty dominantly, one side of fight. He knocks out Sean Brady, who I think we all agree is a really good fighter. Like we saw that when he just went out there and absolutely decimated Kelvin Gastelum. He, Sean Brady is a good fighter. He dominated Wonderboy. He didn't finish him, but he dominated Wonderboy. He beat up Wonderboy. He took him down and beat him up. I mean, that was the that was the fight. Do you all remember when Bilal did that to Wonderboy? That's the fight where we're like, wow, Wonderboy might be getting old. Like, it might be time. Like, he's getting past because Bilal just beat him up. He did that. Sean Brady, Wonderboy, Damian Ma. I mean, f- five fights in a row against top 10 competition. And... Not and Luke also. Let's not forget the Luke fight was a revenge fight because he lost to Luke earlier in his career and he went out there and absolutely dominated Luke for five rounds. Those are all quality wins and none of them were close. Like none of them were even remotely close fights. Did he finish all of them? No. Knocking out Brady was super impressive, but doing that to Gilbert, I understand Gilbert was injured. I don't care that it was short notice. Again, all that has to get wiped away. When you step in the octagon, you meant to be there. You don't get to use that excuse afterwards. He dominated Gilbert Burns in a way that Hamza didn't. He dominated Wonderboy in a way that other people hadn't done at that point. He dominated Vicente Luque in a way and stopped Vicente, the run he was on. And he knocked out Sean Brady. It's not a Shavkat knock. It To me, it's a knock on Bilal. I don't understand the disrespect there because Bilal deserves that. Now, will Shavkat get there and become champion, maybe beat Bilal? I'm not disagreeing with any of that. Based on merit alone, Bilal Muhammad should be, in my opinion, the number two welterweight in the sport. And that's, again, I have a ton of, obviously, I think everyone knows my respect for Kamar Usman. I think he's one of the greatest welterweights of all time. But he did lose two times in a row to Leon Edwards. So I can't, off two losses, can't keep him number two when Bilal's on the streak he's on. I think that's totally reasonable. Um, I think that there is, if, if, if you are focused entirely on merit, I would probably even agree that Bilal should be number two over Usman. It gets a little hairy just because Usman had a really long run at the top, you know, with stuff, but I'm, I'm open to the idea. Uh, I don't know. This comes down to two things for me. One, Shafkat is my number one welterweight in the world, um, which I did not think I would get to heading into 296. I thought that I would give uh, Leon the respect with a win, but that win was really, really bad. And I'm not here to have anyone tell me it was good. Um, it was a win and it wasn't, competitive but it wasn't good uh whereas shavkat did something that's never been done and by the same kind of to riff off what damon said look ball beating the hell out of wonder boy is awesome like that's a hell of a win he couldn't finish him and now granted wonder boy is a little bit older but it was so effortless and that's the thing shavkat has largely been effortless in just dismantling people I think he's the best welterweight on the planet. I don't think it would be particularly close in a betting line if you matched him against Leon or even Usman or Bilal at this point. I could always be wrong, but trial by combat, I need one champion to defend my life from the guillotine. I'm taking Shavkat. It ain't close, so he's my number one. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 kind of with Damon on this one, but uh, I, I was of two minds on it um, because uh, I don't think Shavkat's done enough. He beats he beat Wonder Boy after Muhammad had already done that, as as Damon said. After uh, I hate this word, but after um, Bilal had already kind of exposed, you know, maybe what where uh, 
where Wonder Boy is at this stage of his career and what his obviously glaring weaknesses are. So, uh, so in that sense, yes, I, I went based on accomplishment. But if I was using the Jed Mishu method of who would I pick to beat to, who do I think uh, in the top ten if I match them up with everyone who wins the most fights? I mean, it's Shavkat. It's Shavkat. I'd pick him over Leon. I'd pick him over Kamaru. I'd pick him over Bilal. All guys who I've ranked ahead of Shavkat right now. But I just, I think he still needs, uh, I, I don't know, one more win. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what could get me to push him up uh, further up the ranks, other than beating Bilal, Usman, or Edwards. Like I don't know. Like if he fights, I'm just looking at the list who he's left to fight. I don't know. Um, who he hasn't fought. If he fought like Luke or Brady or, I don't know if him beating them bumps him up independently. I don't know. Maybe it would. Depends how he did it. Um, but he's, it's a tough. He's t- he's a tough guy to rank right now. But but if uh, he if he beats Luke, Bilal beat him. If he beats mm-hmm. Brady. Bilal beat him. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Like that's, it's not that's the trick. And that's it's not, trick. it's again, let me be clear. I think Shavkat is a future champion. I'm 100 yes. percent declaring that. But it's just based on accomplishment. He hasn't done anything mm-hmm. that Bilal hasn't already done. You know what and I mean? I in say, terms of like all the facts. rankings. All facts. I will all say, facts. I think that's why I'm so excited about where welterweight's going in 2024. Because I, I agree, Jed, the Leon Edward era, probably not the most exciting era we've ever seen. It's certainly no Robbie Lawler era, right? Like we can we all, all have to that. hope Shavkat wins. <laughs> but welterweight is has been in such a weird place in 2023 because of this colby thing and just waiting endlessly for this fight to happen that probably shouldn't happen that we've now reached a place where Bilal and shavkat both very much deserve that that shot and they're not going to get it and so and anyone else below them has probably fought either one or both of them so we just need to get this cleared up so i am excited in 2024 that we're able to get back to the fights that we should be having because i'll agree with you. damon i'm glad that you reframed the question to focus on Bilal because I that's actually my personal rankings I have Bilal at number three Usman two and Leon one with Shavkat at four so I'm actually in total agreement with you it's just God Shavkat's Shavkat's time is coming man I just want the answers. Like, listen, I, I, you, I think it's all well-known. Like, I love Leon Edwards. I like him very much. Yeah, we had a great interview before the fight. I like Leon. The one thing I disagree with Leon vehemently on is him basically saying that Bilal doesn't deserve Dude, it. That's ridiculous. Him, him That's no absolutely selling, ridiculous. Him no-selling Shavka, or Bilal is one of the wilder things I have seen from a UFC champion just in terms of reaction because, A, yeah. Jed's point of if you're the champ, you should big up the challenger so that the fight's bigger, so that it seems more legitimate, so that just people who are paying attention will be like, oh, that's something that like the champion's recognizing this person. I should pay attention to what he's doing. But also, B, your option B, if you don't get Bilal, is Shavkat. And I, do, there, I don't think there is anybody in that division who well, would rather fight Shavkat than Bilal. <laughs> so, like, if you're Leon and you're trying to have this GSP title run, you should probably be hoping for Bilal rather than Shavkat. And by all accounts, and let's Bilal just be honest. Talk? Bilal, so much better. Bilal is Leon from two and a half years ago when Leon was waiting for a title shot. Except here's the thing, and I know. The, and by the way, just to, I'm just throwing this out there, being clear. I like Leon Edwards, but Bilal's done more to earn a title shot than Leon did at that point. Just being that's honest, real, that's actual facts. Like that's Leon had a facts. great winning streak, but Bilal has better wins. Bilal has four, core four wins over current. Top 15 fighters in the Leon UFC. Beat Nate Diaz. Leon <laughs> beat Nate Diaz, and that's how we got here. You know? Yeah. Like, that's I'm just that saying, like, that's, you know, like, just let's be. So, hopefully, like, I suggested already, I think it should be Bilal and Leon headlining the UK card in May after UFC 300. If they do that, like, that timeline, that would make a lot of sense. Put Tom Aspinall, maybe he's the headliner, whatever the case may be. Do an all British card, do Patty, do Tom, and do Leon, and do Leon and Bilal 
on that card. Let it happen. And then we can answer all these questions. If he goes out there and knocks the hell out of Bilal Muhammad, we could be done with that conversation. But Bilal has earned it. He deserves it. And then we, you know, then we can end. And listen, Shavkat's also dealing with an ankle injury. Probably going to have to have surgery. He's not going to be fighting for six or eight months anyway. So let's just let Bilal get his freaking shot. And then we can answer these questions in the cage. Everything's broken right for him. Like that has to, that has to happen. There isn't really another option, especially if Shavkat's hurt. Uh, yeah, that's the fight we're going to get. And it's good. Yay for meritocracy. <laughs> All right. Once. Fellas, let's move on. Let's hit our last little segment here of the day before we get out of here and pour some out. I want to look back just very briefly at where we were going into 2023 because it has been, we've spoken about it often on a lot of shows, one of the wildest years for just crazy shit in a long, long time. Uh, every seemingly at seemingly every turn, whatever the weirdest result that could happen ends up happening. And so we've just had a lot of like really, really weird and seismic jumps in a way that I don't think a lot of us expected. And Jed, you and I were talking about this before we taped where like, it's actually very curious because you look at like, yeah, there's the Sean Strickland's and things like that of the massive jumps from somebody going from number 10 all the way to number one, things like that. But then the middle class is more or less like kind of in the same place that it was last year. You have the, aside from these weird outliers, everybody else has more or less stayed stagnant, whether that's an issue of inactivity, whether that's an issue of a lot of these divisions being clogged up, and so there's not a lot of fights at the top that are happening, things like that. It's just been a very weird year for results, for rankings, for all of this. And so to think about it, like last year, Jailton Almeida like came from nowhere to be like a top-ranked guy do we have anyone this year that's done that? Like it didn't feel like we've had any new people outside of the Strickland thing, which obviously, you know, enormous doesn't feel like there's been anybody who's just been like, yeah, they weren't, they weren't being talked about. And now they're a top 10 player. It feels like it's just been the same people. How dare you? If I'm How missing, dare you? I mean, if I'm missing someone, please, Please inform me. Uh, the number one women's bantamweight in the world, Myra Breno Silva. <laughs> she was ranked at the Coming start of, of she nowhere. Was, she was ranked at the start of last year because I have her on my list. What was she? She was fourteen. Not high enough. No, and and uh, I agree. Okay. She's but that's my kind of. She, you sort of making right. my point here because I I have a note of her as being like, I think if you asked us at the start of this year, no one really would have predicted it. But even that, we at least still had her on a radar somewhere. I got one for you, Jason Jackson. Jason Jackson is a terrific answer. He was my okay. number one choice for this thing. Okay. That we have. Well, so let me set That's up the thing. Answer. We've kind of jumped ahead. So yeah. let me let me explain what we okay. want to do here. So I'm just curious for you guys. You look at back at that snapshot from December 2022. What is your single ba- biggest surprise of 2023 when you look at the overall spectrum of what we're working with now and how is it we enter 2024? And this has to, we have to caveat this with the, this is not Sean Strickland. Like this is a non Sean Strickland edition. Cause otherwise I think he would probably just be everyone's number one answer. But so aside from that, aside from the middleweight champ, what's, what's been your biggest ranking surprise of 2023? Jay, is it Jason Jackson for you? So for me, it is, um, he narrowly edged out my number two. I have a list of six. Jason Jackson though is because this was framed as biggest surprise. And this was easy to be like, just trying to retroactively go back and look at these people and be like, well, how shocked would I have been about Myra Buena Silva? Eh, women's bantamweight pretty trash. And she at least like was coming off some good wins. Jason Jackson, like he had been on a big winning streak, but it was like bad Bilal. Like it's all decisions and none of them are impressive. 
And so you're just like, suddenly he's going to be a, I don't know where he landed in our overall rankings, but a top 10 welterweight out of nowhere. Jason Jackson's a dude I watched barely win the LFA welterweight title because that happened in Atlanta. I went there and I watched a crowd of not that many people be like, this fight is boring. This man is barely winning the LFA title. And I can't believe that he's a top 10 welterweight and deserves it. So to me, that was the number one shock for me. I wish I had a I, I wish I had a better answer because Jason Jackson probably is the answer. That's the one I was thinking of as well. But I will say this. Let me just this is not a big jump, but more of like a respecting. And I'm just glad to see it because I have him ranked number one on my rankings. And a lot of people bumped him up a lot with his with his run this year. And that is Bellator champion Patchy Mix. You know, Bellator's had it's a great bantamweight division. For a- it's been the. I think he's going to get a lot of love in the year-end awards as we're seeing the balance trickle in. There's a lot of patchy mix on a lot of different things. Like he's been in the rankings, so he's not. You know, he's not like out of nowhere. And Bellator's had a really good bantamweight division for these past couple of years. I think we all agree on that. But him going out there and starching Rafael Stas and then just decimating Sergio Pettis, like it was. I thought it was going to be an incredible fight. It was, and he finished him inside two rounds. I think people actually putting him at number one or, you know, there's a couple of people have him lower, which, you know, I can have, I can have issues with that, but several of us have him as the number one band to weight in the world. And I think that's awesome to see for a guy who has been on a great undefeated run and been just finishing people left and right. I mean, finishing, uh, you know, going out there and having the war with Kyoji or Gucci finishing uh, Magomedov finishing Rafael Stas and then finishing Sergio Pettis, the run he's on right now. I just love the respect he's getting that, you know, at worst, a lot of people may have him two, three, four. I mean, again, it's not often that someone outside the UFC really jumps up that high in the rankings. I love that Patchy Mix is getting that respect this year. It's a good call. That's a good call. That was a really good one. I, I left off my list too. It was a great call. I have one more surprise, and it's going away from the divisional rankings. Really, you got to go to pound for pound for this. Uh, women's pound for pound, we had someone breaking into the top 10, who I, I wouldn't have expected, really. Um, and I get it. In, in fairness, the, the, the women's uh, top 10, the women's pound for pound list is obviously thinner than the men's. The men's, we're working with, what, eight divisions, eight, nine divisions, right? And then the women's, eight. it's essentially five, if you want to count women's featherweight, it's, and also, not, and also Adam Wade, which it's is three. It's really three, three that people are primarily focused on. There's, whatever. There's it's also, three there's and some, in other categories. There's some, fe- yeah, there's some featherweights in there. There's an Adam Wade in there. But yes, yeah, so it's easier to break into. But uh, Yan Shonan, I think, ending our year at number 10 in the women's pound for pound rankings. Very surprising because she'd kind of been a non, she was still ranked at straw weight, but otherwise kind of a non factor. Like after she got smashed by Carla, I was just kind of like, oh, well. Eh, you know, I don't know if we're going to see much more again. Loses a close splitty to, you know, Marina Wright Rodriguez. So not the worst thing. And then ends 22 with a win over Mackenzie Dern. I didn't think she'd be cracking the pound for pound, but fights once in 2023, knocks out Jessica Andrade. Obviously, that's going to soar you up the rankings. Andrade and mainstay in the women's pound for pound. So it was kind of surprising. Top 10. She's a top 10, uh, top 10 pound for pound fighter in the world. Also an underrated so couple. Sneaky, sneaky underrated. It one. sounds weird. It sounds weird to say. No, that's sneaky. I got a couple to riff off that one being also in the women's pound for pound. Um, I, I had Alexa Grasso on the list. That's my number because, one. I mean, that's she, That was going to be my answer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's the number two in our women's pound for pound. So I've. And she was I mean, unranked. I, she was unranked to start the year. Yeah. She, not only was she unranked, like, oh, she was wow. the number. Wasn't she like eight? She was the number eight women flyweight going into the year. That to me is the yeah, biggest surprise that. outside of the Sean Strickland Damn. situation is Alexa Grasso's yeah. incredible rise. because. 
there was a moment where she was almost number one on pound for pound women's list. Like it's, it's remarkable and it's not something that I ever saw coming. Yeah. And the, so the reason that wasn't a little higher is because at least I was trying to go back and think on it and be like, okay, you could at least sell me that like how this happens because she was going to fight Shevchenko. And if she beats Shevchenko, then this is probably what's going to happen. Even though I did not think that was at all possible or likely jokes on me, I guess. Uh, but also from what you were saying there, AK, uh, I also put a couple of people, the other side of things. So Jessica and who was our number two flyweight at the start of this year and had a really rough run, uh, in that weight class, particularly like her kind of fall was pretty surprising to me. Um, I also on this list, I have Umar. Just because at the beginning of this year, I would have been like, yeah, Umar's going to make moves and he just hasn't fought or done anything. And so he's had a lost year in a lot of ways, which is tough. Um, and then the total wild card, Alex Pereira. Because at the start of this year, I we are now all on the boat that this man could walk on water <laughs> and none of us would be like stunned. Be like, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, if you had told me in January that, hey, he's going to lose his next fight but he's going to end up the light heavyweight champion. I, I would not have believed you because it seems weird for him to, he's having a year where he is arguably the fighter of the year again, despite being on the wrong end of the knockout of the year at the beginning of it. Like that is, I, I don't understand him. He defies law and gravity and logic. Um, so yeah, super surprising that he's our number one freaking light heavyweight. No, I think at this point, we always joke about the Tyson zone. Alex Pereira is the Tyson zone. You could give me any headline of Alex Pereira did this and it being like a feat that's very impressive. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. I believe you. I'd like to see it, but I believe you. Uh, for me, I think most of the ones that I had on my list have already been mentioned, but Lexa Grasso was my number one by far. Um, two others, though, that haven't been mentioned that looking at it, I am surprised. Trick is too pussy, man. I just did not see this coming. You look at what this guy was coming into 2023. He was a meme fighter, right? Like this, like he was very much just a meme. Like he was kind of a, a guy to get behind in a very weird and terrible middleweight division that was just like, oh, look at this guy who's so sloppy and who can't get, who somehow gets it done in like very ugly ways. He was our number 11 middleweight and he was unranked at pound for pound. And now he's number three middleweight and 19 power for pound. The fall of Robert Whitaker crossed with the rise of DDP. And we just spent the first like, what 15 minutes of the show talking about DDP in a, in a week that he didn't even fight. Like what this man was able to accomplish. Wait, he gets a W in January. He going to be moving up some lists. Dude, man. Did not see this coming. Definitely did not see this coming. Um, and then the other one from me, he's going to be a top seven pound for pound fighter. If he beats Strickland. Yeah. It's nuts. Robert Whitaker. It's a great call. In, it's a great call Robert Shaheen. Whitaker and Strickland back to back is a hell of a run, especially if he can finish Strickland. Uh, my other one on this list just warms my heart and makes me feel good. And it's something that I've wanted to do for a really long time, but it's Tatiana Suarez because I didn't know if this person was ever going to even be able to just generally compete pretty regularly. I've been on the Suarez train since the beginning, which at this point is like seven years. It's just a pleasant surprise because I didn't think that this was going to come and she was unranked in everything coming into this year. And now she is our number two straw weight and number six women pound for pound fighter. And it's just, she's like right there on that title shot precipice. And I think obviously she gets it. I've said it forever. I think she'll win it. 
I'm just very excited that this is actually hopefully happening because I didn't see that coming. It's very positive, Shaheen. This is very positive. positive. I like that. I th- I thought y'all might come with some more negative options. No. So nobody's. We've nobody's, had a week of nothing but negativity. I feel like it's a good. It's good to be positive. <laughs> also, there just really weren't that many droppers. The Andrade one is like the one that was easy for me to be like, yeah, it just sort of fell all like out of nowhere kind of fell off she didn't fall yeah. that much right she's like number five in our straw weight still this is like, straw weight i was but i'm just talking about her flyweight yeah though. Was, um because she rebounded with a win but like her her straw like her flyweight run was so bad she left the division yeah. she's like i'm i'm done with this well speaking of fallers let's let's do our last little thing here before we get out of here you know how we like to do on this show we like to pour one out for our fallen soldiers who have left the rankings. And this time around, there's really only one big one. And it's it's someone near and dear to, I think, maybe AK's heart, if only for the uh-huh. allegiance to the country. It is OAM, Olivier Albin Mercier, Ooh. two-time yes. PFL champion, double millionaire. Multi-millionaire. Multi-millionaire. You look at the earnings list for highest earners in MMA for fighters over the last two years. This man's he's on the first page. He's going to be on the first page. He's going to be in that top 20. And that's a hell of a thing for OAM to say he has retired. He has called it quits after another million dollar year. He was our number 12 lightweight. If he hadn't fully officially confirmed that retirement, he probably would have moved up to like a number 10 spot. Uh, But we respect the process. We respect his decision. He leaves MMA 21 and 5, 10 and 0 in PFL, which is nuts. And to me, he is the perfect case study of how to have a successful non-UFC career in this sort of era if you're a borderland top 15 guy. But fellas, pour one out for your boys. OAM. Nailed it. I tried to rank him. Merci beaucoup. No one cares about that, Jed. Merci beaucoup, Olivier. Adieu. Adieu. I tried to rank sure him happened. so we could send him off with, you know, the final ranking of his career, but uh-huh. we didn't get to do it. We just uh, did. I do just, just want to say, though, shout out to OAM's mom, because that was my <laughs> favorite part of the whole thing was afterwards when he was talking about like, yeah, so honestly, I kind of wanted to retire last year. I'd won a million dollars, a lot of money. And then they called and offered me, um, what was the one first fight of the year for him? Uh who who did he fight oh, the first uh, fight this year? Burgos. Oh, Shane Burgos. Shane Burgos. Yeah. Then they called. They offered me the Burgos fight, and I was like, "Well, okay, like that's pretty interested." And then suddenly, I'm in this tournament, and I kind of want to tell him I don't want to do it. And then my my mom is just like, "Or you could finish and get another million dollars." And so then I stuck with it. And I was just like, "That's sick. Way to go." And do it. it was just it was just an incredible little anecdote of like I didn't really want to do this, but my family was just kind of like, well, you're already almost there. So like, what if you just win again and get another million dollars? That seems like a good plan, dude. Shout and he looked shout out to M A M A M Mama Ben Mercier. Shout out. He looked great in this tournament amazing. too. He was knocking fools out. Like this was a hell of a run, the, man. The, the difference between him being like, I will, I'm ready to retire, but I'm just going to stick it out versus Rory McDonald being like, I'm ready to retire, but I'm going to stick it out. Was Vast. Night and day. Vast. <laughs> just a, a world of difference. Dude, there, we say it all the time. There are not a lot of happy endings in MMA. OAM out here at age 34, exiting this sport, healthy, wealthy, and at the top of the game. And wise. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. You did it. Not a lot of people win this race, OAM, but you you won the damn race. Job for you, man. 
Good job by you. And for us, that is it for 2023. It's been so fun, you guys. I've enjoyed this space so much every month. We appreciate everyone out there for rocking with us throughout the year. Uh, I can't, it's, it's crazy that this year is over. It, it continues to blow me away, but 2024 has so much good stuff in store. I can't wait for it to start. We're going to have a full slate of year-end content for you guys over the next couple of weeks. Then, of course, the year preview content starting in 2024. It's, it's going to be a good ride. I hope everyone out there has a great holiday. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the time off, hopefully. Enjoy the time with your family, your loved ones. Pet your dogs. If your dogs are out there, we love your dogs too. And of course, we have coming up for us, for our purposes, our, our annual Airing of Grievance episode where we can maybe get out yes. a little bit. Got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. Get out that little, little ugliness that we got left over. We're going to save it for that. So expect that coming in the next couple of weeks as well. But in the meantime, thank you again, guys. We really do love you. I hope you have a great, great holiday. My name is Sean O'Shotty for Damon Martin, for Jed Mishu, for our boy AK Lee over there. Keep it locked to MMA fighting. We'll see you later. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com starts.